Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. Uh, the website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. <clears throat> also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including guest uh, Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance and CEO. Terrific organization. We'll be talking about public education in Florida. Also, Michael Cannon will be joining us. He is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be shining a light on what's going on here on the Paradise Coast. It is July the 13th, and on this day in 1978, Ford Motor Company chairman Henry Ford II fired Lee Iacocca as Ford's president, ending years of tension between the two men. Born to an immigrant family in Pennsylvania in 1924, Iacocca was hired by Ford as an engineer in 1946, but soon switched to sales, at which he clearly excelled. By 1960, Iacocca had become a vice president and general manager of the Ford division, the company's largest marketing arm. He successfully championed the design and development of the sporty, affordable Ford Mustang, an achievement that landed him on the covers of Time and Newsweek magazines in the same week in 1964. In December 1970, Henry Ford II named Iacocca president of Ford, but his brash, unorthodox style soon brought him into conflict with his boss. According to Douglas Brinkley's History of Ford Wheels for the World, Henry authorized $1.5 million in company funds for the investigation of Iacocca's business and private life in 1975. Suffering from a heart condition and aware that the time for retirement was approaching. Ford made it clear that he eventually wanted to turn the company over to his son, Edsel, then just 28 years of age. In early 1978, uh, Iacocca was told he would report to another Ford executive, Philip Caldwell, who was named Deputy Chief Executive Officer. In his increasingly public struggle for, with Ford, Iacocca made an attempt to find support among the company board members and directors, giving Ford the excuse that he needed to fire him. As Iacocca later wrote in his best-selling autobiography, Ford called Iacocca into the office shortly before 3 p.m. on July the 13th uh, to let him go and telling him, sometimes you just don't like somebody. <laughs> well, that's pretty direct. News of the firing shocked the industry, but it uh, turned into a boon for Iacocca. The following year, he was hired as president of the Chrysler Corporation, which at the time was facing bankruptcy. Iacocca went to the federal government for aid, banking on his belief that the government would not let Chrysler fail for fear of weakening an already slumping economy. The gamble paid off, and with Congress agreeing to bail out Chrysler to the tune of $1.5 billion, Iacocca streamlined the company's operations, focused on producing more fuel-efficient cars, and pursued an aggressive marketing strategy based on his own powerful personality. After showing a small profit in 1981, Chrysler posted record profits of more than $2.4 billion in 1984. By then, a national celebrity, Iacocca, retired as chief executive officer of Chrysler in 1992, and he died July the 2nd, 2019. Kind of sounds like Ford's Bud Light moment, doesn't it, back in the day? Uh, certainly, Ford didn't make a great decision with letting Iacocca go, and uh, Iacocca did a great job for Chrysler. What a personality. While inflation fell to its slowest pace, since early 2021 in June, the Department of Labor said on Wednesday, and the stock market liked that, the U.S. Consumer Price Index rose by 3% compared to a year ago, and the government said that compared with a month earlier, the index was up 0.2%. Both the yearly and the monthly figures were lower than expected. Wall Street analysts had, uh, forecast a 0.3% increase for the month and a 3.1% increase year over year. Excluding food and energy prices, so-called core inflation rose by 0.2% for the month compared with a year ago. Core prices are up 4.8%. So that's the good news. 
However, there's some other news as well, and it's on the horizon. It looks like the Biden-McCarthy Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023 will rival the Inflation Reduction Act, or the Green New Deal, in Orwellian meaning and outcome. Just five weeks after the deal was hatched, the Treasury has issued over $1 trillion in new debt. This is simply astounding. It took for our founding until 1980 to accrue that amount of debt, $1 trillion, that we now have added in just over five weeks. It's truly hard to overstate the magnitude and impact of this spending. Unlike in recent years when we were servicing the debt at 1% and 2% interest rates, this new debt will be serviced with over 5% interest rate. Our debt has increased almost 50% in just four years, topping our near $32.5 trillion but it will now have a compounding effect with the higher interest rates to service it. As I understand it, we're going to be paying a trillion dollars in interest alone on the debt that we have here in the United States. So this notion that inflation will decrease in the long run is absurd. The debt is not just a number of the government balance sheet. It represents why middle-income Americans will not be able to afford the American dream for the foreseeable future. So no, the debt ceiling did not just avoid default. It accelerated it. <clears throat> Excuse me, please. Well, President Joe Biden has added over $300 billion in new regulatory costs in his administration's first two years, topping the spending of former President Barack Obama and Donald Trump according to research exclusively shared with the uh, Daily Caller News Foundation, the Foundation for Government Accountability, which I proudly serve on their board, uh, the FGA, the Foundation for Government Accountability Research, outlined 12 of what they view as Biden's administration's worst, most expensive regulations, $300 billion of them, including those related to health care, climate change, and more. The Biden's administration has published more than 80,000 pages of regulations, and his 12 worst rules, Biden's dirty dozen, are fueling inflation, skyrocketing energy costs, discouraging work, and tanking the economy. Research author and FGA senior fellow uh, Michael Greibach uh, told the uh, F uh, News Foundation. So again, this is hanging over the American public, and these, these regulatory rules, they cost us money, a lot of money. As I read it uh, yesterday, I think it was $10,000 per family. Uh, per year. And America's big banks are due to report their largest increase in loan losses since the pandemic. As the Financial Times reported Monday, analysts project that the six largest banks in the United States, J.P. Morgan Chase, Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stanley wrote off a combined $5 billion connected to defaulted loans in the second quarter. Meanwhile, analysts have estimate that the uh, banks will reserve about $7.6 billion for loans that could turn south. In both cases, these numbers are almost twice what they were in the second quarter of 2022, though still below the numbers from the start of the COVID pandemic. According to the report, uh, credit cards are the biggest headache for several of the banks. For example, J.P. Morgan's credit card loan charge-offs came to $1.1 billion versus $600 million in the second quarter of 2022. For Bank of America, credit card loans made up around 25% of its charge-offs. Uh, this follows news that the uh, June that credit card delinquency rates have begun to surpass pre-pandemic levels for at least three companies, Capital One, Discover, and uh, Bread Financial. And the research earlier this year by Payments found many consumers stretched when it comes to dealing with their credit cards. For example, consumers who pay pay uh, paycheck to paycheck and live that way and have issue uh, paying their monthly bills carrying an average balance of 157% of their average savings, meaning that you would still have a balance even if they cleared out their savings accounts to entirely pay out their debts. Aside from the credit cards, commercial real estate loans are also pain point for uh, banks. The Financial Times reported noted that uh, with property owners seeing a decline in demand for office space uh, due to the hybrid remote work trend that's begun in the pan uh, with the pandemic, uh, those loans are suffering as well. So that kind of hangs on the horizon too, doesn't it? And uh, while it's great to see that inflation is being tamed, uh, there's a lot of uh, thunder and clouds on the horizon. 
Well, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is accusing Attorney General Merrick Garland and the Department of Justice of being weaponized to protect the family of President Joe Biden. I mean, the evidence is so clear. In the op-ed for the Fox News, McCarthy argued that under current DOJ, justice is neither blind nor equal, but the House Republicans are working to check uh, alleged weaponization of the department. When a prosecutor shields his boss's son from investigators, it smells like a cover-up, he wrote. Garland's DOJ did not aggressively follow the money. Why? And where? what are they afraid of where that trail ends? Great questions on the part of uh, McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy. And now we're seeing these, I don't know if you've watched the hearings, but uh, I've watched the hearings on C-SPAN. It's so interesting to see <clears throat> very pointy questions to Ray and to uh, others. And uh, it's pretty clear they have, the ev- they have the goods. They have the receipts. They understand what's happened here. The American people understand it too. The question is, will justice be done? Well, as he points out, McCarthy, uh, that's very questionable. The White House on Monday told lawmakers it opposes a provision in the House Angel Defense Policy Bill that would create a special inspector for the Ukraine aid modeled after the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan and Reconstruction. The Ukraine Inspector General was one of several provisions in the fiscal 2024 National Defense Authorization Act that the White House, in the Office of Management Budget statement on the uh, bill, told Congress it wanted removed. The statement also, also objected to several provisions of the bill related to U.S. nuclear arsenal and other things as well. So here's the question. Why does, uh, why does the White House not want these funds investigated? Why do they not want them audited by, the inspect- by some sort of a special investigator? Makes no sense. What are they covering up? I happen to believe there's some money laundering going on with these billions of dollars that are being spent to Ukraine, sent to Ukraine. And I think it's important to audit these funds uh, on the moment, as soon as we can, in order to make sure that the money is going for which we intended it. And finally, on this uh, segment, Twitter users roasted Vice President Kamala Harris for putting an emphasis on inequity on airplane restrooms, questioning why the issue is a priority for the vice president while the southern border remains in dire condition and prices continue to soar. The majority of domestic flights do not have accessible restrooms. That's absolutely unacceptable, the Democrat on Twitter wrote on Tuesday. Our administration will soon announce a solution to help this inequity. I'm not kidding. She really said that. The comment section was filled with laughs and confusion over Harris's suggestion with numerous users uh, sounding the alarm that the potential remodeling of American aircraft would spike domestic prices nationwide. Kamala can really read the room, can't she? I mean, yet another example of why she understands that on the minds, what's on the minds of American people and the American public. She doesn't understand that, and she comes up with solutions to problems, quite frankly, that if they exist, they're way Oh, they are far less important than the other things we're facing here in the uh, American economy. And one other thing, uh, Democrat Joe Manchin is set to participate in a no-labels town hall in New Hampshire, increasing speculation of a potential third-party presidential bid by the Democrat. No-labels is an organization that advocates for third-party bids. We care about the country more than the demands of any political party, the website reads, asserting that healthy disagreement is a good thing in our democracy. Well, I couldn't agree more, but quite frankly, if uh, Manchin runs, and we also had this uh, Cornell West, who's uh, running as a third party, he's now running on the Green Party ticket, uh, it could fracture the Democrat Party and even make it more difficult uh, for the Democrats to have any traction in the presidential election. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Show here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. 
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us Keith Law. He is the co-founder and uh, CEO of a terrific organization. It's called the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, welcome to the show. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, the Florida Citizens Alliance has become a pretty um, influential organization, uh, not-for-profit organization. Uh, we focus on K-12 through education. Uh, we have over 250,000 uh, folks here in Florida that are um, part of our active uh, effort. Um, we've, uh, As I said, we focus on K-12 through education, which is trying to stop the indoctrination, um, protecting our constitutional values, and uh, frankly, parental rights and school choice. So uh, that's a quick snapshot. Yeah, doing a terrific job. I recall about 11 years ago, sitting around a table after the election saying, now, what what are we going to do? We were a little bit depressed about the uh, results when Obama won his uh, second term. In any event, the, the important thing is that uh, we've got you've gotten major traction in Tallahassee, having major influence with the governor's office as well as the legislature. And as a consequence, I mean, we have a long way to go, I think, but irrespective, the fact of the matter is that Florida has the best public school system in the nation. Uh, and it kind of makes us the, the best of the worst, but nevertheless, uh, we're making progress in Florida and very proud of it. So congratulations, Keith. Uh, we've done a lot of work. Uh, we put you, you nailed the nailed it. We have a lot of work in front of us. Um, uh, there's some good things going on uh, that, that the governor's led, but uh, you know when you stop and think about it, uh, we still rank. Believe it or not, we still rank 40th on the on the ACT test of all the states, hmm. and and 44th on the the SAT. Wow. So while well, there's some good things going on, uh, 50% of our kids can't read and do math at grade level. So, yeah. um, you know, as you said, uh, we're maybe uh, uh, on the top deck of the Titanic, but it's a, <laughs> it's a sinking ship. Well, we, we, we need to improve those results. Now, uh, you're in just in the beginning of a, a fundraising effort, important effort that is going to mean so much to the Florida Citizens Alliance. Maybe you can tell us about it. 
Yeah, two days ago, we formally kicked off our uh, our annual, uh, we call it our Liberty Challenge. This one's 2023. Uh, our objective goal is to raise uh, $250,000. Uh, we've built an amazing team. Um, and when you think about it, and, and we've you've had a couple of them on your show, but very bright, um, young, passionate uh, young folks uh, uh, that are just absolutely uh, working their hearts out to rescue kids from uh, our fatal government school system. So um, this is uh, this Liberty Challenge will go a long way towards uh, helping us continue to pay their salaries. Yeah, and also to get the great work done. Uh, just to give our listeners an idea of some of the things you've got on your uh, docket coming forward in the new year. Well, we're, we're actively right now uh, uh, led by uh, Brian Kennedy, who's our policy advocacy guy. Uh, we're working on our uh, legislative agenda. Uh, in the next uh, 30 days, we'll be meeting with the, spe- the Speaker of the House and a number of leaders in both chambers. Um, we're going to be focused on trying to improve uh, the House Bill 1, the school choice bill, and, uh, and really uh, we're looking to, to really improve uh, and, and stop the indoctrination, and there's a lot of work to be done on that side of the equation, too. So those are two of the major items. There's a number of others on our list. So um, I, I, thought the, uh, I thought the indoctrination issue was kind of solved in the last legislative session. Uh, I don't believe so. Um, we still don't have an opt-in. It's still an opt-out where the where the parents have to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still, when you look at our obscenity laws, and I don't want to get into too much detail, but there's still a, a loop, a, a major loophole in our obscenity laws for minors uh, that allow um, the school districts to bring in um, what they call uh, any material that has literary value, no matter how uh, pornographic it is. And so uh, there's still some serious work to be done there, Bob. Well, that's great. Uh, so, uh, Keith, just really appreciate the work that you're doing. What? Any other thoughts or comments? Well, uh, we also have kicked off our, um, a major effort uh, to help moms and dads uh, start micro schools. Uh, it really is much easier uh, than most people think. It's really expanding the, the, the homeschool notion, but it's bringing families together in, in, in a co-op fashion to work together uh, to get their kids out of uh, government schools. And, you know, uh, it's a quick story if I have a minute. Sure. Uh, I had, a, I had a, a, a mom who's a doctor recently tell me that she would be afraid to homeschool her kids because she would fear that they, they wouldn't be properly socialized. And my head almost exploded because I said, wait a minute, let's think about this. You'd rather have your kids indoctrinated uh, 40 hours a week in drug, sex, and violence, or you'd rather have them uh, in a co-op where you and your family values are being portrayed. And uh, she kind of cocked her head sideways and looked at me and said, you know, I never thought about it that way. Uh, that's exactly what we're up against. Our, yeah. our public schools have become indoctrination centers, and uh, we just need to find ways to get our kids out. So how can people find out more about uh, micro-schools? Uh, go to our website, actually, right on the front page. Uh, there, there's uh, two buttons you can click on, one for the Liberty Challenge that we just talked about, and the other, a quick two-and-a-half-minute uh, overview of uh, the project on, on microschools that we've kicked off. Again, uh, making school choice and making uh, the opportunity for parents to have a say on how the kids are educated uh, are made possible in many ways through the Florida Citizens Alliance. Go FLCA. Dot com is the website. GoFLCA.com is the website. And, and uh, again, uh, make a contribution. Help the Liberty Challenge uh, to raise $250,000 for this great organization. Keith, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon. He's the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. 
With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be a real highlight for the city and also changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Michael Cannon. He's Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We uphold, advocate, try to promote the traditional American values of individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Terrific organization, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, Michael, I know that uh, with the end of the so-called pandemic emergency and all that, uh, that uh, we're beginning to wean down the Medicare, uh, Medicaid enrollment. Um, I wonder if you could give us an update and let us know what's going on. So Medicaid is the joint federal and state program that Congress created in 1965, ostensibly to help low-income people get medical care. There's a lot of people who are on Medicaid who are not low income. We could talk about that some other week. But during the pandemic, Congress passed a lot. Congress funds about 60% of the Medicaid program in total, state chip in the other 40%. And during the pandemic, Congress said to states, look, we'll give you extra money if you extra money towards your Medicaid program if you will Stop doing eligibility reviews for people who are already on the program for the rest of the public health emergency. And, you know, <laughs> I like to say that states take, state officials take three oaths. One is to uphold the, their state constitution. The second is to uphold the U.S. constitution. And the third is to pull down as much federal money as you, for their state as humanly <laughs> yeah. possible. It's so true. And, and so they all, they all took the money. And, and that meant that they couldn't remove anyone from the Medicaid rolls once those people became ineligible, uh, even though those people became ineligible. And so you had a lot of people who were in, uh, whose incomes were low enough temporarily that they were uh, eligible for Medicaid, but uh, then their incomes rebounded to the point where they're not needy anymore. They could go uh, often go afford insurance on their own. Uh, or maybe not Obamacare insurance, but they uh, then, uh, oh, but these, these folks were still on the rolls, and it was only when the public health emergency, well, Congress or the president uh, ended the public health emergency that states could do these eligibility reviews, and a lot of them have been doing it. And so far, they've removed almost 2 million people from the Medicaid rolls as of just a couple of days ago, and probably more, because we only have data for 29 states, mm-hmm. but in those 29, you've got about 2 million people who the states have removed. In other words, and, and just to underscore the whole notion that these are people that are being eliminated from the roles that would ordinarily not qualify under normal conditions. They probably qualified when they initially enrolled, but uh-huh. you know, people's 
incomes fluctuate. Sure. They fluctuate because they lost the job, now they're getting the job, or they divorced, and now they're remarrying, and so their household income goes up, and uh, or they age off of uh, this eligibility category or that. And so uh, those folks, so a lot of uh, a lot of folks have been on this program when they don't meet those eligibility rules. And in Florida, there are, Florida is one of those 29 states. Florida has moved, removed the most people from its Medicaid rolls so far, about 300,000. Now, that's the most so far because states like New York, California, Texas are not in the, that count of 29 states. If they were, or at least if Texas were, it would probably have the largest number of disenrollments because the trend that we see is the more conservative a state is, the larger a share of its Medicaid eligibility reviews end up showing that, no, this person's not eligible anymore, and so we're going to remove them from the program. Now, Idaho uh, to me, has, has the largest share. Yeah, to, to me, it sounds like good news. I think this is a good thing that's happening here in Florida uh, because of you know, people aren't eligible. They sh- and uh, usually, when you have a government program, by the way, like this, it's very hard to to uh, reverse course and to change the uh, direction and get people off the rolls. Florida's successfully doing it. We're glad about that. What are your thoughts and opinions about this? So, uh, I think it's an uh, I think it's a very good thing. At, but a lot of people will hear that and think, "How can you you talk about removing?" lower or, or but sometimes middle-income people from the Medicaid rolls uh, so, so they don't have, have that source of health insurance anymore. <clears throat> well, a couple of things. First, there have been there, there, there's a very important study a number of years ago of the Medicaid program that randomly assigned people to get Medicaid or not get Medicaid. Mm-hmm. And the ones who got Medicaid, they got about a, they consumed about a third more medical care in terms of spending, but it didn't improve their health. It didn't improve their health outcomes. There was only one health outcome they measured where there was an improvement. It was mental health outcomes. Two-thirds of that improvement came uh, after they found out they were going to enroll in Medicaid, uh, but before they had received any coverage or services or anything like that. So, so it's not clear at all that the Medicaid program improves the health of enrollees. That's number one. Number two you and I and everyone in this country has a right to decide how we're going to help low-income people obtain medical care, whether and to what extent we're going to subsidize people when the Medicaid program takes our tax dollars and decides how to help low-income people. It's taking away our right to make that decision for ourselves. It's also, it also highlights to me that in, in uh, you know, validate to validate some of the concerns of opponents of uh, these disenrollments, health insurance, getting health insurance elsewhere is expensive. Yeah. It's expensive because of Obamacare. The average family premium for Obamacare is $18,000. Wow. That usually comes with a deductible of $8,000. That is a quarter of median household income. Yeah. And a lot of these folks can't afford that. And it doesn't really help to say the taxpayers be picking up the cost of those premiums because it still costs too much and they're having to contribute to those taxes as well. So this highlights to me, these disenrollments highlight to me the importance of doing what you and I have discussed before of the state of Florida saying, hey, we're going to provide you more affordable coverage options by letting you purchase Obamacare exempt coverage from Puerto Rico and other U.S. territories. The coverage can be uh, a lot cheaper. It can have broader networks and be more secure than Obamacare, uh, including when you get sick, because Obamacare has been making coverage worse for the sick progressively over time. Right. Uh, But then there's the other issue that we've discussed, which is President Biden is trying to throw people out of their uh, short-term health insurance plans after three months. That's a mistake because those plans can provide broader networks in Obamacare, better coverage, as much coverage as you want, at premiums that are 60% less than Obamacare. Right. And, and when people are, when the states are removing people from the Medicaid rolls, this, these sorts of short-term plans 
could be a lifeline to them because they're so much more affordable than other types of health insurance. But President Biden is trying to limit those to uh, in a way that would strip coverage from people after they get sick and leave them uninsured for up to a year. So I think the disenrollments highlight the importance of both territorial plans and short-term plans for low-income Floridians. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, and you know, Michael, to, in, in one way, you mentioned that this is a way that we can help support people who are uh, less fortunate and uh, are could uh, benefit from some sort of a social program. But to me, a lot of this just comes down to buying votes and gaining influence so that you can the Democrats can get votes for uh, on the rolls uh, for because people are getting free stuff. You know, I know a lot of left of center health policy people. They're good people. They want to help the poor. I think they're hurting the poor, but they're trying. What a lot of them are talking about right now is doing automatic voter registration when people enroll in Medicaid, which is a transparent attempt to get Medicaid voters to register Medicaid voters who will vote reliably for more and more government spending. Uh, I, I to, I've told them that, you know, I could go with that along with that idea. If at the same time we move tax filing day to election day, <laughs> a great idea so that people, the voters will be angry when they go to the polls, including Medicaid enrollees, and they will vote for lower, low tax, or tax-cutting candidates, uh, hopefully, who also cut government spending. Uh, but, yeah, there is there are definite problems in the Medicaid program because uh, it creates constituencies for expanding government. And, and the, the enrollees are, are probably the smallest part of that problem. The biggest part are the uh, health care industry players who yeah. make money off of Medicaid, hospitals, drug companies, even doctors. Michael, I just really appreciate your comment here on the show. Again, I encourage our listeners to go to Cato, C-A-T-O dot org is the website. Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure, Bob. My Thanks. pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. He's in Belize, which I actually have a little bit of envy about. But uh, no, so we're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's workforce readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, real estate, insurance, and electronics to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I just want to remind you that Lulabee's Diner is now serving not only breakfast and lunch, great breakfast and lunch, but also now dinner 
uh, Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. It is absolutely terrific. The menu's great, the food's terrific, and it's inexpensive. Don't need a reservation. Just go to Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We have with us Seton Motley. He is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Seton, welcome. I forgot to pot up your microphone. <laughs> How are Good you morning. doing? Good morning to you. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist for the society scout to serve influence the government, and D.C. does not. No, it doesn't. It seems to be going in the wrong direction, but we appreciate your efforts. You wrote a piece, kind of fascinating. The little guy can't even get a $200 loan anymore. Kind of interesting. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, there's, a, there's an organization in um, New Mexico, and one of the guys decided to try to get a $200 loan from from several co-ops and several small, well, big banks and small banks. And, and um, he, I think he applied to 13 different institutions and got like one loan for $200. Hmm. And, you, you know, I've been talking to this for a long time, how it's, gonna be, it's getting harder and harder for, for poor people or small people to get a loan. And the big banks don't do it. They don't lend to anybody. And they they only lend to wealthy people. You know, they're 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 giving mortgages on art collections to billionaires. I mean, that's what they're doing now. Yeah. And and and, and the reason the reason the billionaires want to do that, of course, is because that's cheaper money than they don't have to sell stock. They don't have to. You know, they're not cutting into principal, and it's cheap money. And they go get this giant mortgage on on. Um, their art collection and, and, and they, they can make more money than the, you know, they can make the interest back and then some, because when you're operating at that level, you sneeze and you make $800,000. Um, so this, this guy applied to, for 13 loans. Like I said, he got one approval out of 13. And then of course the, the act of trying to get the loan made it harder for him to get a loan because his credit score was above I think it was like almost 800 when he started, and the act of applying for the loans knocked him down below 700. Wow! So it's just it's just everything is allied a, a against the, the little guy. You know, it's ridiculous. Well, it's so important. You know, right now uh, I, I started stated earlier in the show that uh, banks are really looking at a lot of losses with regard to loans, and they're not only loans on. Uh, mortgages, but also on credit cards. So people are defaulting; they can't pay their bills. They're using their credit right. cards to pay their bills. So uh, it, it is a crisis for the little guy. Little well, guys. Well, that's the thing with the credit cards. I have over an eight hundred credit score. I I have a card that gives me two percent cash back. So I run everything I possibly can through it. Right. Right. And then I have paid it back in full every month for thirteen years. And my credit, my, my interest rate on my on that card is as high or higher than someone trying to get a payday loan. Right. I mean, it's absurd. You're you're, you're assaulting these little guy lenders for these. You know, oh, these are stealing rates. You're stealing money with those interest rates. Well, I'm at the point now, living in Belize. I pay the card every freaking day. Huh. Every day, I wake up every morning and I pay the car, and my credit, my, the, the percentage has never gone down. They've never lowered the percentage; it's over thirty percent, huh. and it's it's just you know. So the, the the whole system is set up to, and it, you know, as as the money gets tighter, because remember, the more money the federal government owes, the more it's taking out of the system to pay its interest, just to pay the interest. And, you know, they, they have a cozy relationship with the big banks so that they'll get the money first. They'll get the money to pay the interest first. And that means there's less and less and less money for private borrowing. And so, of course, if they're already very happy to, to lend money to billionaires, when there's less money to lend, they'll be more likely to lend to billionaires. And people like us are just cut out of the equation entirely to the point where... This guy applies 13 times for a $200 loan and only gets approved once. Yeah, and lowers his credit card score. And it blows up his, yeah, and now he's screwed for years. Yeah. 
for for trying to get the two hundred dollar loan. So here's the thing, Seton. Right now, I read that uh, this year we're going to pay a trillion dollars in interest payments on our federal debt. A trillion dollars, and the the new loans that we took out, and we just took out a trillion dollars in new loans uh, in the federal government at five percent, not at one and two and three percent like a, like in uh, previous years. Right, and and and, and this is why. This is one of the reasons I got out of the U.S. Because from here on out, it's going to be it's it's going to be very very volatile. Because what what we what we're going to see over and over and over again is what we're dealing with right now. They're going to inflate the money because that that makes their debt less valuable, right? Uh-huh. It lowers it, it lowers. You know, if you owe a thousand, if you owe a million dollars, and you inflate the dollars by ten percent. You really, you now only owe nine hundred thousand dollars, right? So they're going to inflate the crap out of the money. Then they're going to beat the beat us over the head with with interest rate hikes, and then they're going to inflate the money again, and then they're going to beat us over the head with interest rate hikes again. Well, here's the now, thing that, that, that concerns that me: is make it, for a very effective economy, right? And the thing that concerns me right now: we have this inverted interest rate, where right now uh, something uh, uh, the short term uh, interest rates are paying more. Uh, than the long term, right? You, you you go to a six month CD, it pays more than a five year CD. Yeah, and what's the consequence of that? Well, the banks are going to be struggling; they're going to get squeezed uh, because it, they uh, it's going to squeeze their profits. It's going to and, and it's a, who, where does this always get passed? It gets passed down to the consumer. Yes, and again, you know, you always see this, you know, from the left, from the newspaper, you know. Climate change, women and poor people, hardest hit. You know, that's the joke, you know, uh, that's the, the old joke is the uh, there's a meteor hurtling towards Earth that's gonna, it, it will wipe out all, you know, all life on Earth. And, and the headline from the New York Times will be women and poor people, hardest hit. Well, <laughs> here, here we are with a reality that the poor people are the ones being hardest hit. And where's the media? Yeah. They're on the side of the big banks. They're on the side of big government. Yeah, and, and, no, and these are, and those are the entities colluding to create this situation. No question. And again, it's the the collusion between in the uh, between big banks, big business, and and the government. It's just uh, getting more and more obscene and absurd. And uh, somehow, some in fact, I have a guest on my show to to talk about how do we separate powers right now and reduce the amount of corruption that's going on in the government. And by the way, the only person running for president that's talking about this in any kind of eloquent fashion is freaking Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yeah, I like um, the guy. I I, I wouldn't. I would. I'm not a Democrat, but I tell you what, of all the candidates that I see in the Democrat Party, if we have to have one, he'd be the guy. Well, yeah, and even his cli- you know, he's been a climate change guy forever, but not in the crazy way they are. Like he, he understands we need energy. He understands we need nuclear, and he's not a carbon capture moron. Right. L- real quick, let me give you two numbers, real quick. Okay. We, you know all this stuff about reducing carbon dioxide output, which is just ridiculous. Ask a tree; that's what they inhale. But anyway, the percentage of the atmosphere that is carbon dioxide is zero point zero four percent. And the man-made percentage of that is three percent. So yeah. now you're talking zero point zero 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 one two. Yep. So even if we quintuple our carbon dioxide output, it's a rounding error in the atmosphere, and we're wasting trillions of dollars trying to reduce our carbon output based on those numbers. Oh my goodness, you are absolutely right. Uh, carbon dioxide is a trace element, and you know what? Uh, photosynthesis helps solve the problem. It helps create uh, oxygen. Well, I always said God created a perfect symbiotic relationship. That's right. We inhale what plants exhale, and plants inhale what we exhale. So Very, we, very simple. It's perfect. If we want to solve the climate change problem, plant trees. That's all we need to well, do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I said... I said, if you want to, if you if you love greenery, don't hate, respirate. It's um, <laughs> again, yeah, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with life chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing that uh, Blue Provence commercial, we were there last night and visited with Jacques Cario. He's the, uh, the owner and... Uh, they own, actually, the Wine Spectator just named them as one of the one, most top 100 purveyors of wine, in, and that's quality wines, in the world. 100 in the world. It's just amazing at Blue Provence. So I encourage you not only to go there for dinner, but also uh, enjoy uh, their wonderful selection of wines at Blue Provence. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob. It's my pleasure on this uh, warm Thursday. Um, so you were saying about Blue Provence, or, or you had an ad on there. Um, any, any details on the on if they're going to keep it going, or um, well, you have the inside knowledge? <laughs> well, uh, you know, and and the, I don't have much knowledge. Well, he had a nice conversation with Jacques last night, and uh, he basically said, you know, he's, they've got a uh, got a deal put together. He said, now let's just see if it goes through. So right. Uh, uh, but he thinks that uh, things will continue pretty much uh, the way they are. The announcement, it was kind of a surprise. The announcement came out, and uh, he hadn't even told his family. <laughs> of, oh, my God. And so apparently, yeah. apparently, uh, now I'm, I'm uh, connecting the dots here, so this is not what he said. But I suspect right. that what happened is that they had the release of the information about from the Wine Spectator on Blue Provence being one of the top 100 wine purveyors in the world, and uh, right. and uh, I think the Hoffman Group basically said, "Hey, we're going to buy Blue Provence," so they were kind of <laughs> jumping on the opportunity. Perhaps I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope it stays uh, the way it is for a while, because as you always say, it's a it's a great restaurant and great food and great people that run it. So, you know, we'll go from there. You never know. I mean, when you talk about the restaurants. Um, I mean, you know, Skip Quillen. Um, Sold theirs. Uh, um, I mean, Chops, Yaba, 
um, uh, Pazzo, um, Chops uh, Benita, um, they're all sold now. Who did he sell them and, to? Oh, yeah, I, um, they're sold to a group, the, the, the Phelan group. Huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, Skip's retiring. He's retired, actually. Well, he was a great uh, restaurateur, so uh, he made a great oh, contribution to the community. He did, so I don't know what's going to happen. I know they're going to redo Yaba. I think that was number one on the ticket, but I hope they leave the rest of them alone because, you know, Chops, we go there once in a while, and, and it's always just top shelf, and uh, Pazzo is, is, you know, I would say it's, and a gour, it's gourmet Italian, no doubt about it, with a mixture in there, and uh, so I, I think we're going to see a lot of restaurant changes coming uh, the way things are looking. Are you, you getting that feeling? Yeah, well, it seems to me uh, Hoffman is taking a stronger and stronger stand in Naples. I did not even realize that he'd bought Florida Weekly. Yeah, he, 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 whatever it is, he's got his signature on it. There's no two ways about it. But I'm not talking just about him. I mean, because there are other restaurateurs and people coming in uh, and uh, opening opening uh, different places. I'm just curious to see what the what the scope is going to be of uh, of the restaurants on Fifth and uh, whether there's going to be a changing scene. Um, but time will tell, for sure. Uh, but city business, I understand that the mayor had her own city council meeting. She she is allowed to uh, if there's something that that they need signed while the council is away, she can do it. But she didn't want to just, she could have just done it in her office, okay, with the city manager and the city clerk uh, who needed it. But no, she decided she had to do it in the council chambers, and uh, it was not televised, and people were calling in because it was advertised, but it wasn't televised. And people were calling in, well, what kind of transparency is this? There were only two, there were only two of only two items, one with a needed truck and the other with something else. I mean, nothing, you know, major, major, but they needed to have them done and they couldn't wait, you know, until August. And so um, people are calling in saying, where's all this transparency that you've been talking about? Where's our meeting? How can we see this meeting? Well, you can't. <laughs> so life goes on, Bob. What yeah. can I tell you? We're going to yeah. survive this in spite of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll spite it regardless of how hard they uh, how hard they work on getting us not to. <laughs> so, are, uh, are, are, you, are you following any of the uh, national news or international news? Uh, unfortunately, I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't help but I'm trying to follow Wimbledon is what I'm doing right now. It's like cause it's been so the tennis has been so good, and uh, watching them getting down to the quarterfinals and the finals and these. These young men and uh, and women are just so terrific, um, and uh, Wimbledon is always kind of well. I have to use the word stuffy, um, but it's nice to see them. You know, they have to wear whites and they, you know, uh, uh, and the tennis outfits, and it's kind of it's kind of nice to see. But yeah, I'm I'm following the the, the national um, and Biden's antics uh, are incredible. That's so what's incredible. kind of in intriguing to me is this Cornell West has decided he's going to run on the Green Party, and <laughs> you know, yeah. he's, he, you know, I would just describe him in kind of in a few words as a kind of a madman. He's the uh, former Divinity Harvard Divinity School philosophy professor and. Uh, He's talking about we should have uh, everybody should have Medicare for all and guaranteed housing and all these climate change and it sounds like an out, outright uh, socialist or communist. Uh, but in yeah. addition to that, you have Joe Manchin who's apparently posturing and printing a little bit as an independent candidate. So uh, right. it's getting kind of intriguing to see the national politics. Oh, I, I think it's going to get more intriguing uh, as the you, you know it starts so early, Bob. Yeah. you know what I mean. And um, each week it's something new. It certainly keeps people interested anyway on who's doing what. But um, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, we'll, just, we just, we'll, we'll have to watch this as it unfolds. Absolutely. And I also understand, so your Ritz-Carlton is open again. It is, and uh, it is beautiful. It looks beautiful over there. Um, again, to me, I'm kind of a... 
I'll, I'll use the word cheap, but I see for the last eight months. Frugal. <laughs> frugal. I'm frugal. So I've seen the lights up the Ritz Carlton on for the last eight or nine months or year. It's been a long time. No traffic right. at all coming in there. And boy, that just the electric bill alone, never mind the other services that they're having to maintain in order to keep this place going, is just unbelievable. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, they do one heck of a business, and they bring people from you know all over the world, and like no other, like no other. And plus, you know, we were one of the few few um, cities in the country that have two Ritz Carltons. You know what I mean? I do know. Um, so, so that's uh, that, that's always. That's just a nice feather in our cap. It is. So, Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples, always appreciate you bringing us up to date on what's happening here locally. Thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you, Bob. You have yourself a good week. Take you care. as well. Thank you so much, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, we've got some great guests for tomorrow's show. Uh, always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are, namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>